All right, and we are live. So, hey, all you crazy sci-fi and fantasy fans, it's time for your daily dose of shenanigans over here at the Blasters and Blades podcast. Just three nerdy veterans geeking out over our science fiction passions and fantastical fantasies. A place where magic is king, the sky is the limit, and space is the place. So without further ado, we're going to introduce you to our guest, the legendary aviator, Mr. Chris Kennedy. <laughs> How are you doing today, sir? Hey, I'm doing great. How are you? Thanks we're for having well. me. We're glad you could come on such short notice. We had to reschedule around his um, busy RVing. Apparently, he's buying the rest of America. You know, North Carolina wasn't enough. So, <laughs> but he, well, he, assume, he made time assuming that event. assuming that there's gas in North Carolina, we're going RVing. Right, but he made time for the peasants. Hey. You know, so we can't ask much more for our officer types. Wow, <laughs> is that uh, how we're gonna be? Wow. No, not for long. Doc gets really mean if I get too snarky. Okay. No, that's what was my job. <laughs> All right. So the second part of the introduction, <laughs> dear listener and viewer, is how we first found them. So, Doc, you get to go first on this one. I'm going to guess there was a bar in Booze. Yes. <laughs> it's like you know me or something. Uh, yes, we met at Liberty Con, and um, Casey made sure that we met. And um, She's good for that. She is good for that. Uh, wherever Casey goes, it's just better to let her lead you and see where it ends up. It hasn't stared at me wrong yet. So, but it was the con suite. And then we met again later. I think she introduced me to you a couple of times just to make sure it stuck because um, <laughs> drinking brain is not always the best brain. Mm -hmm. So she's um, good at that. Well, and I'm also really bad with names and faces. I got really used to the idea that everybody came labeled in the army. That does help. So, um, but we met from that and then we've done stuff at Fantasy together and um, another that, con. That con in Atlanta? That, that, that other con that uh, we don't speak ill of the dead. It was a one year wonder. Oh, no, I was talking about the big one. Oh, yes, in Dragon Con. Yeah, you <laughs> may have heard of it. You may have heard of Dragon Con. I don't it's know. It's like a few hundred people, right? Yeah. yeah, a few hundred people in my track alone. Yes. yes. <laughs> JR is really has problems with the maths. So <laughs> I was can, a grunt for a reason. And the fact oh. that, you know, Dragon Con attendance numbers can be used, scientific notation can be used for. So I don't do the science. That's what you're here for. You're the brains of this outfit. So I actually, uh, when Chris still lived in Virginia Beach, he did a, they did a regional uh, new author thing in 2015, and he was the guest keynote speaker. So I met him at the library there. And uh, yeah, it went from there. He introduced me to some people. He's, he's a fun guy. Uh, and then we met again, I think it was RavenCon, the two years they were in, or at least the last two years they were in, uh, what was that? Williamsburg, before they moved back to Richmond. So that's where I met Casey as well. She's very funny when you get her going. <laughs> yes. I still remember Hello. that Moab bitch line. That was hilarious. <laughs> I she think was defending the Air Force against Mark. Favorite Casey line. It is because how can you top that? <laughs> you can't. Well, not any that are family friendly. Although, if you've listened to her interview from the earlier this uh, this season, she came up slightly better, but I won't repeat it. Because, again, <laughs> we, we want to keep this episode safe for work. Okay. So, speaking of questions, and um, what is your religion, science fiction-wise? Star Wars, Star Trek, or Firefly? Uh, I'm going to have to go with Firefly. Ooh, nice. So, you want to say why? Uh, it's the funnest. I can understand that. It's definitely uh, I mean, massively it's, fun. It, it, it's more, um, I don't know. I, I just, why do you like it? Because I like it. That's um, and that I mean, works. I like Star Wars because um, I, I typically like um, science fiction with a side of fantasy. And, and most of Star Wars is fantasy rather than mm -hmm. science fiction. Um, <laughs> but. So, fantasy-wise, what is your favorite? What's your religion? Game of Thrones, Harry Potter, or Lord of the Rings? Lord of the Rings. No, no, no. <laughs> we get no question on this one. <laughs> so, I get it. It's Harry Potter is a good 
starting point, but Lord of the Rings is a classic for a reason. So, and, and you know, I I very much like you know epic fantasy, and and that's you know from. <laughs> Sorry, long walks in the park. <laughs> well, yeah, with Sheila, with my wife, you know. Well, you know, somebody has to be in your fellowship. She's the yeah. best person to be there. She is, um, without a doubt. So now we ask you, which one came first for you, science fiction or fantasy? Science fiction. Um, I, I grew up reading sci-fi um, and with fantasy thrown in for, for coloring. Um, I, I really like both. Um, I, I started in sci-fi though, and, and then moved out a little bit to, to fantasy. And I think just about everything that, that I've written, um, not everything, but, but a lot has had, you know, science started science fiction and, and had a little bit of, a little bit of fantasy there. Uh, I've done some straight fantasy, um, done some straight sci-fi. Um, but, but I like it when you can kind of have, have a little of both. So what was your first memory in the science fiction genre? My first memory. Um, probably, probably David Weber. Um, <laughs> I, I love to say I grew up reading David Weber and he hates it when I say that. He's like, I'm not that old. Well, <laughs> David, um, you know, so. Uh, you know, most most of the Bane authors I've read for a long, long time, uh, Weber, Ringo, Correa, you know, Correa is a, a good one for the sci-fi fantasy-ish crossover stuff. Um, you know, I, I, I like all of them. I think that may be why David likes me. I look at him and go, I grew up reading Elizabeth Moon and Anne McCaffrey. And yeah, he like, hates oh. it when I say that. I mean, he hates it. So. Which makes it fun to say. I mean, you know what kind of reaction you're going to get. When you know you're going to get a quality reaction, you just toss that one out there every time because why not? So, you know, it's it, he's such a sweet person, though. It's kind of funny. And he is. He, he so. really is. And he can take it. And, and he'll be like, oh, really? You had to say it again. Yes, yeah, David, he, I he, did. He doesn't let he gets so it's funny watching as he gets this mixed look when you go, you know, you really are the foundational pillar of the mill sci-fi genre. And he goes, he gets beams. And then he goes, wait, I'm not that old. <laughs> yeah, you are. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. And, uh, and Tony Weisskopf told him he was. So, you oh, know, yeah. when, when, and when Tony says. Tony's right. Always. Sorry. Sorry, Dave. <laughs> So how did your love of this genre transition you into writing in it? Um, well, you know, they, they say uh, probably everybody that you talk to say, oh, you know, I grew up wanting to be a reader or, or wanting to be a writer. You know, I, I grew up always wanting to do this. I never did. Um, 80% of 81% of people have a story they want to tell. I was always part of the 19%. I didn't have, I didn't have a story. Um, I was always, I was always the science guy, you know, helping the kids, um, with their projects and stuff. Um, my wife did all of the, all of the creative stuff. You know, she used to think that I didn't have a creative bone in my body. Um, and then one day I had a story. Um, you know, I, I was, uh, I had just started a new job, uh, working for the military. Um, and I hadn't gotten a clearance yet, so I couldn't do anything. So I, except sit around and read CNN all day and uh, driving home. Um, one of the things I had seen kind of, you know, gelled in my head and it was like, well, if that happened, then this, then this, then this, then this, oh my God, China invades Seattle. Um, Rich, you told me I'm not allowed to do that anymore, by the way. Not allowed to do what? Not allowed to listen to the news and then go, well, if this happens, then this would happen. And then this would happen. She told me last year that I wasn't allowed to do that anymore because I kept, kept guessing right. Yeah. She um, told me I wasn't allowed to. She started yelling at me. It was net. Yeah. So all of a sudden I had a story and um, it was military fiction, which having been in the military for 20 years and, and been an aviator, I, I kind of knew the military yeah. a little bit. I kind of knew aviation a little bit. Um, you know, so that was kind of the, the centerpiece oh, of it. They require you to know about planes if they're going to let you fly one. 
That's very true. And and I flew a couple, so I knew several things, maybe even four. Um, yeah. You were a smart officer. Yeah, you know. And I have to say that uh, Progenitor's Universe is still the favorite one you've ever written in for me. I, I love that. I've reread it several oh. times. The uh, The final book is coming out next month. I know uh, one of your super fans reached out to me. It's coming. It's coming. I got to read it early. <laughs> I know which one you're talking about, too. She's a sweetie. Uh, she is. I'll bet, so, I'll bet most people, when when they hear the word super fan, um, go right to that one person. She's a, a very wonderful person. Great to have in your yes. corner. And, and and she she has been wonderful for that series. Um, you know, she she talks about that series to anybody that'll listen, and and I love or, her for it. Or the walk. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she got a tattoo of it. Mm -hmm. Can't beat the tattoo. That's forever love right there. So <laughs> many authors let yeah, their real I world mean, experience. So many authors let their real life experiences influence the stories they tell. So were there any specific formidable moment for you that shaped the kind of stories you tell? Um, well, certainly I like, I like stories. Uh, well, especially writing them that, that have aviation or, or fighters or, you know, and, and you can you can argue all the time about, oh, science fiction fighters would never be realistic. There's no reason that you would ever have fighters in space. I don't care. They're fun. People like them. People like dogfighting. People like, you know, having having one guy doing stuff or one gal doing stuff, you know, and rather than this whole big giant ship, having fighters is fun. And, and so, yeah, I, I write yeah. fighters. And if you don't like it, too bad. And and there's the mentality too that goes with it because it is a very unique mentality that is the type of person who will put you put themselves not just in danger but in danger thousands of miles in the sky by themselves. Yep. I wrote a short story once for a um, dog fight and anthology heroic last stands and I have to say there was way too much science in that. I was highly disappointed. We were like figuring out like well, angles of attack. You're not supposed to have science in there. I mean, it's dog fighting. You're supposed to have action. And, and, and we, we did that too, but my my uh, I have a friend who's an actual colonel in the Air Force that looked at it and he's like, "No, you got this wrong, Jr." And we had to just do this whole thing. But yeah, so so piloting wasn't for me. Too much science. Yeah, explodey so. stuff. You just need to concentrate on the explodey stuff. Right. So speaking of that, the military that, space fiction. That's that's like the using. I have antimatter in in one of my universes, and I had a Duke professor write a review on uh, the book that obviously I didn't understand antimatter, and and I was like, well, dude, really? Um, okay, so so if you want to do that, how about next book? I'll let you proofread, and and you can tell me if I got it right. And he says, okay, sure. So so I I. Um, I sent him the book and I, you know, I said, Hey, I want to do this and this. Tell me how that would work. And, and he didn't even have the, the courtesy to tell me how it worked. He gave it to all of his grad students and told them. To <laughs> it. And, and then he took the best answer and gave it to me. And I ran it by uh, Jim Bell um, to, to make sure the science was good. And he's like, Oh no, they got, they got this and this and this wrong. I'm like, <laughs> So don't tell me about antimatter, Mr. Smart Physicist Dude. <laughs> so speaking of military science fiction, your bio mentions that you retired from the U.S. Navy. So we ask all of our veterans, um, all of our authors who are also military veterans this question, but how do you feel like your time in the Navy affects the stories you tell? Um, you know, like like I was saying, I, there's there's a strong component of aviation. Um, I, I, <laughs> I, I tend to speak like people in the military speak in the books. Uh, <laughs> some people say that there is too much cursing, um, but but it's authentic. Um, I actually tone it down some. Um, the, the, the first book I wrote had no cursing in it. Um, I had just I had just spent five years as a, um, a Catholic elementary school principal and I knew some of the kids would would read whatever I read whatever I wrote. So I didn't have any cursing at all. Um, and and I, I showed my mom the book and, and she read it and she said, wow, I really like that, Chris, but you've got a problem. And I was like, 
I, I was like, yeah, mom, what's, what's the problem? She's like, well, that's not how sailors talk. Sailors <laughs> swear. And if you want people to believe your book, you need to have swearing. So if there's too much cursing in my books, blame my mom. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that uh, is so glorious. That my is. So would never say that to me. There are sometimes when mom's advice can, can hurt, but. I, I had no idea what she was going to say. I'm like, you know, the grammar's bad. The, 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 you know, there's a missing thread that, you know, you don't tie up. There's a, you know, I had no idea. And she pulls out that you don't swear enough. And I'm like, I've never heard my mom curse in her life. And she's telling me to swear more. Well, okay. she just encouraged it. Yeah. All right. My, sure, uh, mom. My, I had one story where I had um, a recession, a section where a male and female character tried to make a baby. We'll say it that way to keep it family friendly. Wow. Uh, just to set up a plot line later. And my mom read it and she's like, I don't know what you and your wife are doing, but you need to go home and practice and then rewrite this scene. <laughs> and that's how I knew that I could never write the dirty stuff because my mom is my first line reader and that's just awkward. Yeah. Yeah. I can see how that would yeah, be. That was, yeah. She still gives me shit about that. I mean, Crap about that one. <laughs> so do you ever draw from people that you knew when you were in the military, people you served with? Oh, absolutely. And and actually, I probably I probably have drawn more um, from from people for the nonfiction stuff that I did. I did a book on leadership and that was all drawn from people that I knew. Um, but but yeah, um, certainly there there are some personalities in my books that look a lot like real people that uh, I was around in the military. And, and I, and I, I think that it's, it's hard to get away from that because you want to, you want to have believable characters and, and, you know, having spent a lot of time with these people, how they would act, how they would react and, and what they'd say and do um, as, as Seska probably, well, and you do too, JR. I mean, some of the people in the military aren't believable because you'd be, you'd say, no, no one would ever do that. Yeah. Yeah, they would. Hold um, my beer. <laughs> for every yeah. rule, Wisdom of Anencia once told me, for every rule, there is a person whose name is attached to that rule. Whether or not you know the name, there is yep. a name for that rule. And when I became a track director at Dragon Con, I looked at my staff, my volunteers, because I have two vets in it in the group, and I went, for every rule, there is a, a name attached to that rule. And do not make me, because I will embarrass you by naming that rule after you. Don't be the name that goes with the next rule. <laughs> so and we I talked about how your time in the military affects the stories that you write. So let's flip that a little bit. How does the time spent in uniform affect the content you engage with? Does it affect the kind of stories that you read or movies that you watch? Um, no, it, it doesn't affect it at all. Um, I, I don't really have a lot of extra time. I mean, I, I publish a book a week. Um, so I'm typically reading the book that's coming out, uh, in three weeks. Um, so I don't, I don't have a lot of extra time for, for reading fun stuff. Um, and my wife won't go see military movies with me. One, because she doesn't really like them. And two, she doesn't like me comment, commenting on how bad they are. So we typically don't go do that. Yeah, so, I've done that. Yeah, so, I would I would go and watch military movies, but but I would probably comment on how bad they are. You did not I mean, watch. We could go watch movies. Kelly's Heroes. That'd be fun, but she, she wouldn't like it. So does it affect the stories as a publisher that you pick? Um. Now, um, because uh, a lot of the stuff uh, that that CKP um, publishes is military sci-fi, um, and that's okay. that's pretty much what uh, the the heart of our audience is. So more more mill sci-fi is usually better than less mill sci-fi. <laughs> okay, so as a former aviator uh, and pilot, your military experience is very directly applicable, more so than a lot of veterans, to the science fiction you write. Do you find that your knowledge of the inside of a cockpit um, actually helps you as an author, or do you think your understanding of modern equipment hinders you when you try to extrapolate and make up future stuff? I, I think it helps. Um, I think it I think it makes it sound realistic. 
Um, at least I hope it does. And, and, and I've had, I've had people say, wow, it's just like being in the cockpit. Um, so, so hopefully, yes. Um, I did uh, a story, a novella um, in the Kane Riordan universe uh, for Chuck Gannon. And, and it's a guy flying what, what is basically a, a science fiction version of an A6 intruder, um, which is what I flew in the, the military. And, and he's using equipment that would have been on the A6 intruder. And, and one of the reviews is, this guy obviously doesn't know what he's talking about. Well, so, so I, I don't know where I went wrong because it pretty much was exactly like flying an A6 intruder. But apparently I messed it up. I see that sometimes. We uh, we had a uh, Green Beret on that writes um, about operators for his mill SF. And some of the reviews was, did you even operate, bro? Like, do you know what you're talking about? <laughs> and I just hey, leave yeah. Mike, He's on Mike the wall, the is, wall in the army. Mike, He's Mike, like one of the plank holders. <laughs> Mike Massa is the first one. Sorry. Mike, Mike Massa is the first person in that series. And they're like, he doesn't know anything about being a SEAL. <laughs> what? We just what? laugh at those people. Well, you know, yeah, so. Somebody left a review on Stonehenge saying there weren't enough stones. There you go. All right, yeah. Doc, save us from ourselves. <laughs> okay. So transitioning away from the writing side, let's talk about a fan angle. Have you had any cool fan art or a cosplay of one of your characters yet? I feel like I'm asking a question I've already seen the answer to. <laughs> uh cosplaying some of our characters hmm do you mean like having an entire fan organization based on some of our characters i said i already knew what the answer was yeah um the the four horsemen universe that um uh i publish and in, in a writer in one of the the many many people that are writing in the universe uh there is um, a fan organization that does cosplay for different units that are that are in uh, the stories. Um, it has been at at a con. Um, the the first fantasy started as the first uh, Four Horsemen Universe uh, con, um, and and still keeps that distinction today. And um, <laughs> at fantasy, we have a dining out where people come dressed as. Um, all different, kinds of things. Yeah, as <laughs> as all kinds of things, and and you know, it's the Four Horsemen universe is um, you know uh, mech warfare in a um, mercenary environment, and everybody gets dressed up as their favorite mercs, and you know we come and and have a dining out, and uh, we don't throw rolls like we did in the military, but aside from that, it's it's fairly close. And so I don't have those pictures readily available because um, face space. There are, was, no, there are no pictures of the dining out for a reason. No, no, not the dining out of the cosplay. Um, oh. Face space was, wasn't letting me save them. They were having a little bit of a freak show earlier. So I will link to the four horsemen fan club and all of the, the socials for that. So you guys can track it down if you're interested, but they, there were some elaborate con, uh, costumes. So, so if you're yeah, interested, mildly, the, um, go check it out. The fan organization has over 700 people in it um, in, I think, 20 or 25 different countries um, as, as far away as China, Japan, um, Brazil, uh, Portugal, Spain, you know, all, all around. Um, so, yes, there, there are a few people that uh, have cosplayed uh, folks from our universe. So has anybody caught you in the wild? away from a signing or a convention and ask for your autograph? Uh, yeah, uh, actually there, there have been. And um, <laughs> it was funny. I was talking with somebody at a bar um, and, and he's like, I know you, I, I know, I know you. And I'm like, okay, sorry. I, I don't know you. He's like, what do you do? I said, well, I'm, I'm an author. He's like, Oh my God, you're Chris Kennedy. <laughs> That's awesome. And I was like, well, I don't know if it's, oh my God ish, but you know, yeah, I am. And he's like, oh, oh, I, I need your signature. No one's going to believe that I saw you here in a bar if you don't sign something for me. I'm like, obviously, uh, he doesn't know you because I always see you in the bar. Well, okay. Yeah. Um, 
So, so I, I pulled out one of the, one of the four horsemen cards and signed it and gave it to him. And he was like, Aww. it's so cool. That must Would you sign sense. a book for me? Sure. <laughs> sure. Did he have the book? Yeah, he didn't. He, um, but I sent, I sent him one. Aw, that is awesome. So he's, very, he's a very fan focused publishing company. He is. Oh, absolutely. Um, we are. And, and, and certainly, I think um, all of our authors are very approachable. Um, you know, you can find all of the CKP authors on, on Facebook, um, on the, the different pages, and, and you can ask some questions, then they'll answer. And, um, Mark was, loves cat pictures, by the way, if you're listening. <laughs> we had, we had somebody funny. that was, we had somebody that was wearing a four horseman shirt, went to the county courthouse last week um, to, to get something done. And the, the guy that was, um, doing the, the paperwork for him recognized the shirt and knew the character that was there and called him by name, you know, Hey, Mr. Rains, you know, and, and he's like, Oh, you can call me Jackson, you know? And, and that's, that's really cool. I mean, when, when people recognize not only, uh, the shirt in the universe, but know the character that it's based on. And, you know, the, the two people could have a conversation and, and the guy that was wearing the shirt's like, Oh yeah. You know, the, I, I, not only do I wear the shirt, but I actually know all the authors. And he was like, really, you know, all the authors. He was like, Oh yeah, they're all good people. They're, they're on this Facebook group and, and you can come on and, and ask them questions or, you know, talk to him. He's like, really, yeah, yeah, they're all good folks, you know, and gave him the, the page. And, you know, he's he's like, well, I'm not on Facebook much, but but I'm going to come. So That's looking forward awesome. to looking forward to meeting him. I hope he comes with lots of pony pictures and cat pictures. <laughs> You're just winning uh, making friends and influencing people, aren't you, Doc? I do win friends and influence people, whether or not they like the influence. <laughs> yeah. Influence negative is an influence. It's still an influence. You know? Yeah. Um, so have you ever spotted your book in the wild though? I have not. Um typically um you know indie published books don't make it into too many um into too many bookstores. Mm -hmm. Um the one that I just wrote with David Weber uh is out I have had people, you know, send me pictures of it in the wild. Um, I haven't, you know, because of COVID, I haven't been in a Barnes and Noble in, you know, a year and a half. Kevin um, put a bounty on his, on his anthology. He's like, it's the first person who sends me a picture. So. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I almost stopped on the way home um, from, I was driving across North Carolina a couple of days ago and, and I almost stopped at a Barnes and Noble for the sole purpose of looking to see if they had it so I could see it, you know, see my name in the bookstore for once. But no, the answer is no, never seen it. Well, Hopefully we'll I will sometime. Too. Stores yeah. are opening up, vaccines are, and everybody's getting out there. So, you know. Yeah, I've, I've had my shots. I can go places and do things. I'm a good puppy. <laughs> I love you. That's what I went with it too. All okay. right. Um. What is the weirdest or funniest fan interaction story that you would care to share with us and our listeners? Oh, golly. The weirdest. <laughs> Remember, we have listeners here. It's not just us shooting the shit. Yeah. Um, I, 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 I hate to say the, the guy that saw me in the barn was like, oh, my God. But, you know, that was it was like. Dude, it's not that big a thing. I, I'm, I'm me. Um, that was weird from, from you know, my perspective. He thought it was the coolest thing ever. I thought it was weird being treated like, you know, somebody that was important because, you know, I don't, I don't really have those. To somebody. Yeah, I don't, I don't have those delusions. I'm, you know. <laughs> um, so, now. We're briefly going to go into the highlights of what Chris Kennedy has written. Okay. Ask me your <laughs> questions, Bridge Keeper. I'm not afraid. <laughs> no, you're going to give us the highlights of what you've written. 
Oh, I'm doing the I'm highlights. I'm not okay. you on your writing. I know that the, it's way longer than I have the brains for us today. Uh, I've written a few books, done a few things. No, I've I've written over uh, over thirty novels, where I, either myself or co-written. Um, I think I have that many uh, short stories out in the universe, um, in in different mm. anthologies. Um, started out with Red Tide and Occupied Seattle uh, that we'd already mentioned. Uh, that series then uh, grew into the Theogony. Um, the first two books were military fiction. Then it became sci-fi. They went to space. Wrote the first trilogy. Thought, hooray, I'm done. And the fans said, no, uh, you're not done. We want to know more. Uh, we want this to be a trilogy of trilogies uh, like Star Wars, only better. Um, so... I, I kept writing. Um, I've gotten, I'm now up to eight of the nine and the ninth one is uh, just finishing up going through editing. Um, so that will, that will complete that series. Um, I've got a bunch of books in the four horsemen universe. Um, Mark said, Mark Wandry, who is um, co-author with me on a lot of them said he had 26. Um, if he's got that many, I've probably got, my name on pretty close to that many too. Um, cause he, we've written a lot of them together and, and, um, there's, there's nine of them that are anthologies that have my name on them. So, uh, probably, probably at least 20 in there. Um, got a fantasy, got some, uh, YA, uh, variety of other little onesies and twosies here and there. Um, couple other, uh, stories in the fallen world, uh, which is a post-apocalyptic, um, those, those are a lot of fun to write. If you haven't checked out the, that, uh, fallen world is a lot of fun. Um, watch the clowns. Yeah. Watch the clowns. Clowns are bad. Um, that's, you know, that's pretty much, uh, and then the, the stories in the Kane Riordan universe that I've already mentioned. Um, that's actually, I'm working on a novella for the second season of that. Um, and, and I love, I love that universe too. That's a lot of fun. The lost soldiers. And if you ever want to take notes on how to smoothly transition military thrillers into military sci-fi, read the Theogony universe. Does it brilliantly? I did not see that coming by the way, when I read that, I thought, great, it's going to be another Brad Thor. We're good. I like Brad Thor. I like Tom Clancy. This is my jam. And then you went into space and I was like, oh no, you didn't. It was good. So, you should check it out. I need to get this for my diehard Tom Clancy loving dad then. Yes, he will dig it. You it's very weird. My dad I mean, reads. Somebody like, said somebody told, Tom said Clancy. it's better than Clancy. So well, my dad doesn't read science fiction. He reads Tom Clancy. Mm -hmm. And then he but he watches sci-fi. Oh no, he's he's read David Weber. That's like the only science fiction he's read is David Weber. I mean, if you're gonna only I've read, read one, David Weber. I've written with David Weber. I know you show off. <laughs> you should show off. It's a cool, it's a cool feather to have. Yeah. Well, he's, you know, if you've ever met him in, in real life, and I know you have, um, <laughs> he is just a super good dude. Um, being around him makes me want to be a better person. That's, that's how good a dude he is. Um, and in writing with him um, was, was one of the things that, you know, I've, I've read probably just about everything he's ever written. So it was, it was really, um, an amazing opportunity for me to get to do it. Um, because I, I like him as an author and, and as a person. So, um, that was great. Then, then writing with him, I, I learned a lot. Uh, I thought that I was a hard worker, um, until I wrote with David. And, and we were, we were going to write a, a book that was going to be a hundred, 150,000 words before we started. He wrote a hundred thousand word document on here's how the universe is going to work. I was like, <laughs> what? You wrote that, a book to write a book? I'm like, ah! that sounds like and, and then halfway through, halfway through, he wrote another hundred thousand word thing to, for the second half. And I'm like, dude, that is I don't know. Overkill. So uh, now we know why his writing is so long. But uh, while I, I almost kept him under two hundred thousand, I tried so hard. We we just <laughs> went over. It. He he's like, I really want to keep it under two hundred. And so every time he'd add in something something else, I'd be like, David, David, 
We're not going to keep it under 200 if you do this. Well, well, we can cut. No, we can't cut anywhere else. Everything else is important. We can't. But I need it. No, you don't. You do not. You don't need this. You don't. Well, so, but I failed. So while all those sound fascinating, we're here today to talk about the phases of Mars and more specifically the dun, book dun, Trouble dun. In, in the Wind, which is a current um, the current edition in this collection of anthologies. So where did you get this premise for this anthology series? How did you come up with the ideas? Um, well, it's funny. James Young uh, writes um, alternate history, and he came up to me and he said, hey, Chris, so when are you going to do an anthology on alternate history? And I said, oh, I'm going to do it at about the time that you put it together. And he went, what? what? I said, sure, you put it together, you know, I'll publish it, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll help you get it all done. We'll, we'll co-edit, we'll do all this and, and we'll put it out. Perfect he's like, answer. yeah, he's like, he, he gave me the, you know, the look. And then he was like, are you serious? Yes, I'm serious. So, so if I put this together, we'll publish it. Yes, we will. Um, so he asked a bunch of folks and then, um, you know, we co-edited, he, he had first shot at it and I had second and, um, you know, I did all the rest of it, got it, got it put together. That was those in peril. It was all uh, Navy based stories. Um, we that, did an interview for that actually, I think under sci-fi shenanigans too. So mm -hmm. we'll find that in the archive as I make JR clean out my basement and attics and he'll find <laughs> the, the copy of it at some point. So we did that and we, and, and it really, it sold well. People really liked it. Um, so we, we did the one for uh, aviation warfare and, and we were able to, you know, because of the success of the first one, some bigger authors said, sure, you know, I'll, I could find a story. I'd, I'd be happy to do that. Um, we got, um, we, we got uh, a variety of different stories from some great folks um, Taylor Anderson, you know, destroyer men fame said, sure, I I've got, I've got an aviation story. I've always wanted to tell, would you mind having a destroyer man story? No, no, we would not mind that at all. Um, and, and, you know, things like that. And, and, and so it grew and then we went to do the land warfare one and, and we were really blessed by that point. They'd sold well and, and we were able to talk a bunch of great authors into doing it. Um, we've got Kevin J. Anderson, uh, David Weber, uh, Taylor Anderson again. Um, we, we have um, seven Dragon Award winners. We had about 20 Dragon Award finalists. I mean, everybody that, that we asked said yes. Um, you know, you've, you've got so many folks in there that are just great authors and it was, it was a lot of fun to put together. Um, it, it was, it was great just to read as a, as a reader, as it finished up. Um, you know, so, you know, SM Sterling, we got SM Sterling to write a story. Um, you can't, you can't go wrong with, with the list of folks that we had. Brad Torgerson, uh, also Dragon, Dragon Award winner. Uh, Sarah, Sarah, uh, Sarah Hoyt, um, Dragon Award winner. Um, you know, it was a, it's a great group of folks and, and the stories are awesome. All right. So before we dig into talking about some of those stories, can we take a minute and just love this glorious cover? So what's the story of this piece of art? Because this is the kind of thing you put on your man cave wall or woman cave. I don't know what that's called, but you put it on your wall because it's glorious. So how did you come up with this, this art? Well, it's, it's alternate history through the, uh, you know, through the years. So we, we matched up a, a variety of different eras. You know, you got the, the uh, guy on the horse, you got a world war one tank, you got a world war two tank, you know, that's the history of Calvary right there. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it was, it followed on from the first two books that, that were, you know, pretty similar. Okay. It's, it is. I, I, that's one of my favorite pieces of art right there of, yeah. of the books that we get to do. I really I've had it. a lot of people ask me for that picture so that they could, you know, make a poster of it and uh, use it on their, their computer as their back top or, you know, desktop. Is that something that they'll be able to get from merch from your store or the, the print on demand, like posters, that kind of stuff? Yeah, I'm, I'm actually uh, looking to do that. Um, we just put out a bunch of posters 
um, you know, and, and as the, the store opens on uh, the new website that I just started, um, I, I hope to be able to give people that ability to order those kinds of things as posters. So we're going to ask you to do us a favor and post that in our uh, Facebook group too. So people that listen, they know when it goes live, you'll post it there for us because that's definitely something that could go on a wall because it's glorious. So it, now it is. I love it. We're going to talk about the story itself. So what would your 30 second elevator pitch for this anthology be? Uh, 18 outstanding authors, 16 stories of ground warfare that never happened throughout the human experience. <laughs> Historians have wondered, what if? What if Sherman had fought for the South in the U.S. Civil War? What if Germany had fought to the end in World War I? What if World War III had actually happened? The third book in the exciting phases of Mars anthology, there's something for everyone inside. From fighting Hannibal at the Battle of Cani to the early death of Napoleon, to scouting in the bush in Angola, Trouble in the Wind traces a, a history of ground warfare that wasn't. From Warfare and Taylor Anderson's The Destroyerman series to S.M. Sterling's Black Chamber, this book has it. So come aboard and find out what if all these things had changed history just a little. You'll be glad you did. I think he may have had the back of the book cover queued up. Smart man. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> We're just going to go with it and say you did that off the cuff and give you all the credit. So what do you I didn't, think? I didn't read the middle paragraph. I only did the, the two operational ones. See, it was off the cuff. It so, was. So what do you think uh, makes this anthology series special? The quality of stories um, from the quality of authors that are in it. Um, you know, every every story that's in there is great. Um, you, you can't go wrong. You can. It's neat on a couple different levels. You know, not only are all of them great, but as an anthology, you can take it where take the book wherever you are. You know, if you've got a little bit of time, you can read a story and and get get the satisfaction of finishing it, um, as opposed to you know having to to read the whole uh, volume. You know, sometimes you're you want just things in bite sized pieces, and you know, an anthology is a neat way to do it. Um, I, I never was a fan of anthologies until I started writing in them. Um, and, and I really like the ability to, you know, get the, the quick enjoyment. So we actually, I like short content. I don't think there's many profitable places for it these days. Cause we've kind of gotten people used to going for longer content. So we've actually started doing a series of interviews that are just 15 to 20 minutes from authors to talk about their short story in various anthologies. So we're trying to do more of that to get that out there. Cause there's a lot of good stuff out there that people would love if that ever just gave it a chance. There is, and, and um, CKP has done a number of anthologies. We do, uh, we did this series. Um, we do the We Dare series um, that looks at different things. You know, the first one was augmented um, augmented humanity, uh, people that did different things to augment themselves. Um, we did uh, one of them was uh, Semper Paratus. It was a bunch of short stories of um, the the apocalypse and what you did afterwards. You know, and, and we've found that that there is um, a demand for anthologies. We've done pretty well, you know, getting them out there and, and having people buy them. So um, this uh, the um, phases of Mars, of which uh, Trouble in the Wind is the third volume, did really, really well. And, and I think, um, you know, I don't I don't know if there's a rejuvenation in anthologies and in writing short, but we've certainly um, done, been pretty successful with them. I will say so. as a fan, one thing I like about anthologies is when I want to go to a convention and I have to travel and particularly if I have a luggage space issue, an anthology is a great way to collect a bunch of authors you like in one spot and a bunch of their signatures in one spot. Oh, absolutely. The, um, any of the four horsemen anthologies at, at either Liberty con or fantasy, you know, probably 80% of the, the people in there are at that con. Um, and, and you can bag a whole bunch of them. So you mentioned that this is alt history. So that would be, you know, the subgenre. but what science fiction tropes do you feel like trouble in the wind hits the best? 
Uh, <laughs> alt history. Uh, what if, <laughs> you know, changing stuff. I mean, because they're, they're varied enough um, that that there's, you know, because there are a couple that are ancient Roman. Um, you know, there's, there's one that's... Um, uh, or a couple that are uh, French Civil War, you know, kinds of things. Uh, World War One, World War Two. Then there's uh, the Taylor Anderson one that isn't even on this planet. <laughs> so it's it's alt history, sort of. You know, if people went somewhere else. <laughs> so it's all right. So yeah. let's go get into the dive into this collection. So do you have a story that's included? I do not believe it or not. I wanted to get one in, but I, I just didn't have time. I'm actually in none of, none of the three. Oh, wow. Um, what was your role then? I was, I was the editor. Okay. Okay. So how did you pick the stories? Was it open call, uh, invite only? Um, a couple different ways. Um, we had uh, several people that were in all three volumes. Um, uh, Sarah Hoyt, um, Joel um, Presby, uh, a couple others that you know that that were with us from the start. And and every time we said, "Hey, we're going to do the next one," they're like, "I'm in! I'm in! I'm in!" Um, so so they're in the third one. Um, and and it was by invitation. We went and you know tried to find some folks that we could put on the cover to, to help sell books. Um, you know, I'm, I'm honest enough to say I'm a mercenary that way. Uh, you know, it's how well, I, I mean, how not, I keep not doing anybody a favor if it doesn't sell either. Right. I, I'm trying to make the author's money and, and by doing so I keep the roof over my head and, you know, um, you know, my, my wife likes having the roof over her head too. So, you know, it works out. It's that pampered chef addiction. Uh, mm. So we got uh, plenty. Yeah. A pub. So as a publisher, I'm sure you put together a dozen anthologies, but what do you think makes a good short story? Like, what is it that says, mm, this has everything in it to make it good. And I want to see it, even if it doesn't fit this theme that you're going for. I, I think that, what makes it good is that it tells a complete story. Um, unfortunately, a lot of times authors are trying to use um, short fiction as a lead for a longer book and, and they don't tell a full story, um, you know, because they want you to then go get the, the full book. Um, you know, these, these are our stories that stand alone. <clears throat> um and and you can you can feel satisfied when you're done with it, mm -hmm. you know. Which which a lot of times, um, you know, when I, I read a lot of anthologies now, um, when I when I finish some stories, I'm like, well, you know, that was kind of fun, but but so what? You know, that it didn't really end. It it just left the door open so that I could go read, you know, whatever else. Um, so I don't. Eh. Um, I I I want to have a a complete story. Um, and, and I think that's honestly what, what makes, what makes people satisfied. You know, I, I don't, I don't know if, if, if that is what makes it good, but it certainly is what makes it satisfying to me as a reader, um, much less a publisher. He's, he's missing one vital point because he's being humble. So they say you're not a real writer unless you've gotten at least one rejection. And Chris Kennedy is actually my only rejection as a writer. And he even wrote me back. He's like, I'm sorry, this story was good, but it didn't fit the theme we were going for. And I think that's part of it for collections too. It doesn't matter if it's a great story by you know God himself. If it doesn't fit the collection, then it doesn't fit. And sometimes that's as important. Like if he was writing Trouble in the Wind and someone gave him that naval history for the ground combat doesn't matter how good the story is it didn't fit and, and that's that, part that of what actually did too. happen we had we had to turn away a couple stories from people that we asked because we said hey we we need a we need a ground warfare story and they gave us an aviation thing and it's like well how exactly is that ground warfare it's like well they they land the planes on the ground when they're done <laughs> that was stretch no i'm not a pilot but even i know that doesn't count yeah. But, but the, the curation, I think, is where, where Chris shines with his publishing because 
you know, that's something that's hard to do. You, that's something you learn as you go that, you know, finding yeah. that, that tight theme well, to give. Well, thank you, thank it's you. really hard to say no to people. It is. It, it really is, especially friends. I mean, you know, yeah. I consider Jr. a friend. And when, when I said, I'm really sorry, I was really sorry. Yeah. Jr. and I put to get help put together an anthology a while back and it was really hard to say no to people. And I think it ended up probably being a little too big because I kept saying yes. <laughs> 37 didn't, stories. Didn't you have like 50 stories in it? 37. We were actually one have page below the maximum. Yeah, we had to shrink the fr the print too. It was lesson learned, expensive lesson because editing ain't cheap either. But no, let's let's move on because we're here right. to talk about. Uh, I really Chris want Kinney. to ask Chris about some other stuff in this anthology because it's a fascinating concept. So. My next story, I know we all, as parents, we don't have a favorite child at all, right? Wink, wink. But never, who, never. Who, if you had to pick one, what would be your favorite child in this story? Oh, what is what is my favorite story in here? Yeah. Oh, golly. Um, yeah, because, you know. We're asking the tough questions now. This is hardcore journalism. <laughs> I am going to have to say, uh, I, I don't want to sound like a homer, but I'm going to sound like a homer. Um, I like the David Weber story. <laughs> That's fair. I mean, you've established you know, what, his work. Does he if, make you cry if, in this one? The last David what, Weber what, what if, story made me cry. Sorry, what? last David Weber short short story made me cry. Does this one make me cry? Maybe. <laughs> certainly Wait. gets certainly gets dusty. Okay. I can handle dust. So what is it that made you like that specific story and make it stand out? It's it's one of those things. I mean the alt history is is at its basis what if? What if this happened? What if that happened? You know, and, and it's it's an interesting um, he he does an interesting premise. What if what if Sherman had fought for the South in the Civil War? You know, all of a sudden Atlanta doesn't get burned. Not like Yay! that. Um, I kind of like that one. You know, uh, it, and, and it could easily have gone that way. Uh, you know, having having things like that where. It, it easily could have gone that way. I, I was going to write um, a story for the um, uh, either the aviation one or the the um, ship-based one. You know, what if it, at the Battle of Midway, uh, the one Japanese scout plane, had, their radio had worked? Um, because the Japanese found the American fleet at Midway before they got hammered, and it's just that the, the radio didn't work on their scout plane. If the scout plane had been able to radio back, hey, look, here's the Americans, and they had launched all of their planes to, to wipe out the American fleet, how does that change war in the Pacific? A lot. Yeah. So, or or what if uh, Japan had decided after the bombing Pearl Harbor they had invaded Hawaii? I wrote I wrote a uh, story about that at the War College, um, and and it changes. It changes everything because Hawaii is the one point in the center of the Pacific that, you know, everything comes into and then goes back out of, you know, if all of a sudden the Japanese have that, they can go anywhere on the U.S. West Coast, start shelling, you know, then what happens? So, the, things get crunchy. So, 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 you know, the, the ability to change something that's, that's small but yet makes a big difference. You know, what if this one little thing had just gone the other way? What if, what if Sherman who, you know, was living here and if this had happened, he would have been fighting for the South. What if, what if the North had said, thanks, we don't want you. You have done whatever we, you know, you go away. And he goes, Hey South. So I'm available. <laughs> so what are your other, favorite me and memorable stories that you want to highlight to our viewers and listeners? Um, certainly uh, William Allen Webb's uh, story um, about canine. Um, let's see. Uh, uh, oh, Mona Lisa Foster. 
Joan of Arc, her Joan of Arc story uh, is really, really good. Really good. Um, if you if you like gut punches, Mona Lisa does that really well. Um, and she's in all three, um, all three anthologies and, and has great stories in all of them. Um, uh, to do so. I could always throw up the next question if you want, which you probably can't look at the titles on to tell you which one's which, but which one would be your favorite character? My favorite character. Um, I, I don't remember the names from, from the, um, from the story, uh, but Taylor Anderson's, mm -hmm. uh, the, the story is um, an orderly withdrawal and, and it is, there's this huge battle going on and it, it comes down to, you know, uh, a couple people making the right decisions and, and in doing everything, fighting above and beyond, you know, what, what any person ever could and leading their troops and, and just doing the, the, the hard thing, you know, it would have been easy to run, but they stayed and held the line and, and stopped, you know, the, the incoming, uh, hordes all by themselves, you know, it, it, when, when they come to get relieved, there's only, you know, a couple people left, uh, spoiler. Um, but, but just the, he does such a good job, um, you know, really getting you into that person, um, and, and what they're thinking and what they're doing. And, and it's, it's a great story. So were any of these stories in this collection aviation-based? I know we talked about that this was ground combat, but we also know that sometimes fighters' uh, combat involves uh, pilots being jerks to people on the ground and trying to ruin their day. Hey, so there could be a tie so hey man, <laughs> pilots being jerks. I, I can say pilots are jerks because I was a naval flight officer. I wasn't a pilot. Okay. <laughs> so, so pilots are jerks. Did uh, did any of these stories involve ground on air uh, engagements? No, they they really didn't. Um, the um, James Young story had had some air come by and drop bombs, I think, um, but there wasn't there wasn't a whole lot. A lot of the the stories in the um, in the ground combat uh, book, Trouble in the Wind, um, the the overwhelming majority are prior to aviation. Okay. Um, so they're just. You know, it'd have to be somebody on a glider or something, you know, uh, one, two, three, you know, only the, only like the last five, I think would have even been at a time that would have had air. So is this, are these collections in, um, audiobook if people are listeners instead of readers? Uh, I know some AP anthologies are, so. Yeah. Um, I believe, I believe. I know the first two are, and the third one I think I finished. Yes, they are all uh, all in audio. Okay, so this collection of stories uh, had a lot of alternative universes where one critical moment, the world pivoted. So of those that were included in this anthology, are there any that you would want to live in and why? Woof. Wow. That was, that's a good question. Um, hmm. <laughs> I, we broke him <laughs> you did you broke me on this one um i'm going to say no uh <laughs> i i i don't i don't think uh i don't think i want to live in any of those i'm kind of happy with the world the way it is uh, i'm not sure that any of those would have made it better um maybe they would i don't know which one would you want to live in the least then? Um, Taylor Anderson's. I like, I like being here on earth. I don't want to go be somewhere else. See, I thought you were going to say Weber. Just looking at the list of authors of all of them, his name smacks me as the meanest to his characters. So no, I thought for Weber sure. actually not the meanest to his characters out of that. Who, who would be worse than in your opinion, Doc, of all the authors since you read a lot? Brad. Brad Torgensen. Okay. He's me. He is. He is. I'll give you that one. So um, Sarah, Sarah can be. Actually, actually that story is really good too. Secondhand so, empires. But okay. So here's a strange question. 
Well, actually, it's not really a strange question. But so this is the third in a series. Do you think you're going to do more? Yes. Yes. So what's the next? We, you, can you give us a ha highlight of what the next theme is? James and I haven't talked, um, but, oh. you know, because he needed to do some of his own stuff. Um, but we did, you know, we, we have talked about doing another one, um, whether we recycle back through, um, you know, ship based stuff, uh, or, or we do a space one, except it's hard to do an alternate history. If the future, you know, <laughs> we haven't really yeah. gotten to space much, um, you know, maybe in a thousand years, that'll be a great, a great topic. Not, not quite so much now. Um, so maybe it's a what if? Okay. Know, I, I don't know. We 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 have not really decided on what we want to do yet, um, but we have talked and and we do want to do more in this series, uh, just because it was so well received. That makes sense. So, are there any aliens in here? Because I mean, I've watched History Channel. I've seen the guy with the hair. I know <laughs> that aliens are responsible for a lot of shit, apparently. Yes. Yes, there are. Um, you know, cause Taylor Anderson takes his people through, uh, to another universe. Uh, so there are aliens there. Um, the, as for the rest of it, um, now they're all, they're all people, all humans. Okay. So you've, you've designed an alien or two though, haven't you? I have designed a whole pile of aliens in the Four Horsemen universe. I, I, I mean, I know this is a stacked question sometimes, but um, would you say that your favorite method is to either make them whole cloth or let nature guide you or just, you know, design something while you list, smell Sheila's amazing cooking? <laughs> she made bacon this morning. That was so hard to write this morning with the, the smell of bacon wafting up into the into the office. I was like, I'm I'm hungry. I want to go eat now. Um, <laughs> a lot of times, um, typically, uh, especially in the Four Horsemen universe, we we tend to use analogs for different Earth uh, creatures. Um, not not because we're not creative enough to make you know weird things that do weird stuff. But, but just there's enough other things going on that, that we like the readers to be able to, to situate themselves to, to what we're trying to say without it being, you know, just, just too weird and out there and go, well, how in the world would a planet evolve that thing? You know, and, and that's a lot of times uh, authors design such weird creatures that it's like, what, what was the biological impetus that would have created that thing, you know, that's um, a fair and, question. And, and as the scientist, you know, it's like, okay, so what makes this thing have, you know, uh, centaur, how do you, what, what in, what biological imperative gives you a centaur? Fair enough. I, I'm I asking you. Nothing that's not R rated to that. Oh, well, so we will move on and you can answer that one off the air. And if you have any questions, you can send her the hate mail at Seska at blastersandbladespodcast.com. So how do you guys, so the one thing you guys do a little different is you come up with the weirdest, almost like somebody vomited Latin onto a page for alien names. So how do you guys pick your names? Is there like a method to your madness? Um, I, I try not to get too weird. Um, because I, I, um, I was at a con one time and one of the, uh, a Bane editor was up, uh, sitting at the front of the room and you could give them the first three or four pages of a new story and they'd read it and tell you what was good or bad. And they made it through the first sentence and said, I'm done and threw mine, threw mine away. And I'm like, son of a gun. Uh, that, I think that, I know who would have been the one to do that. Ouch. I was like, ow. Uh, and, and I was, you know, and they're like, okay, you know why? And I was like, ah, cause Clearly I'm a sucky, not. I'm a sucky author and, and I hate my life. And, and they said, no, you have an unpronounceable name. And, and I, you know, readers, readers skip over names that they can't pronounce. So don't use, don't use unpronounceable names. Fair enough. So that's, that's stuck with me. And I, I try not to do anything crazy. 
Um, you know, I, I respect the right of, of other authors that want to do weird stuff and, and, you know, have, have 18 consonants in a row, but, you know, I mean, it works for the Hungarians, I guess, but it doesn't, doesn't work for me. So, well. <laughs> so clearly this interview is winding down. Oh, wait, 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 we, I, we have forgotten to ask Chris the most important question. Chris, uh -oh. how can we find your anthology? No. You can that's, find that's everything there. at chriskennedypublishing.com. So it's got it's got all the books, it's got all my stuff, got everything CKP has put out. It's got links to get them, uh, and and everything you need to know. And isn't this one also coming up in a story bundle? It is coming out in a story it's bundle. Like I might know what's going on. It is it is coming out in a really good story bundle um, that Kevin J. Anderson is putting out. Um, and amazingly enough, Trouble in the Wind has a Kevin J. Anderson story in it, um, which uh, he wrote with uh, Kevin Eikenberry and is a great story. It's like she's stealing my thunder because that was my what next if, question. What if Napoleon got shot? But I'm cuter when I do it. Fair enough. Well, you're, you're without right. a doubt. I've seen JR. Even <laughs> oh. so, There's a reason his camera's permanently broken. So I have, uh, for dear listener, the link for this anthology will be in the show notes, as well as the link to the story bundle where you can buy it and uh, a lot of other amazing stories for a cheap price. Story bundles are a great thing. I buy a lot of them. Um, sometimes There's some really great stories in, in this story bundle. Um, so, I, I've seen the list. Um, you're going to want to grab this lots of great stories at a great price. It, it is. So as we wrap this up, can you tell listeners and viewers how to find you? And I'll link all of it in the show notes to your listener. Chris Kennedy publishing.com. Um, that's, that's the place to do it. You can also look on, uh, on Facebook on the factory floor. If you uh, search factory floor, you can, you can find me and all the other CKP authors right there. All right. And I will link to that. And if you sign up for his newsletter on his Chris Kennedy publishing website, I believe he gives you a free, free short story. You so. do. You get a free short story. Uh, one of the first stories in the four horsemen universe. It, it's a good one. So, and you can find us dear listener on our website at anchor.fm backslash blasters, tech and tech blades, anchor.fm backslash blasters, tech and tech blades, our Twitter at SF underscore fantasy underscore show Sierra Foxtrot underscore fantasy underscore show. You can email us at blasters and blades podcast at gmail.com. And our Facebook group is facebook.com backslash blasters and blades podcast. And if you want to support the show, you can head on over to buymeacoffee.com backslash author J.R. Hanley and put for the podcast in the comments. And now uh, Anchor FM has uh, given us the opportunity that you can sponsor us there if you so desire. And now that we've said all of that, Doc, can you bring us home instead of mocking me relentlessly? <laughs> I don't know if I can do the last part, but <laughs> thank you for spending some of your precious time with us. For the absentee overworked Nick Garber, J.R. Handley, I'm Seska. This was the Blasters and Blake podcast. We'll be back next week with this at the same time, in theory, where we'll indulge our love of nerd culture, cheesy jokes, things that go boom, pineapple on pizza, and making JR's life inter interesting. Ooh, How can nice. you go for that heretical Nice. Y'all know pineapples do not belong on pizza, and I'll end the broadcast <laughs> there. <laughs>